let's now have a chat with Beck Hardy from Beck Hardy Wines. Morning to you, Beck. Morning, Simon. Great to speak to you. Yes, and Happy New Year and uh, Happy Australia Day and all of that. Thank you. Yes, yeah. It's um, we had a lovely Australia Day. Was um, it was we actually had a a koala go through the garden on that day. So <laughs> really? we sort of thought, oh, how about that? Of all the, I think we've only ever had a koala in the in the backyard twice, and that was the second time. So oh, okay, quite, That's quite really cool timing. <laughs> Your daughter would have loved seeing that if she was around. Oh yes, she did. She did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is very appropriate. Um, so, uh, so how's things been? Have you had a, a busy, a busy sort of summer season so far? Yeah, cellar door's been really um, quite busy. So we've um, our chef has been putting some really fantastic food together. Um, we do a couple of feed me's, and um, last week we actually were awarded two hats, which was quite a surprise for a cellar oh. door with food. We're not a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was, yeah, it was really great. So that's been bringing in a lot of people um, in the last oh, week. Yeah. So cellar door's been very busy. Yeah, wow. Um, so um, when we come to, um, to Celador, you, it's, you call it, um, well, the kitchen, the kitchen at Beccardi, don't you? Yes, yes, we do, yes. So we've, we have grazing boards if someone, uh, people are looking for something a bit more casual or then we have a couple of feed me options as well. Um, and yesterday, for example, uh, just about everyone had feed me and most people had the long story. Um, and then we went through into a twilight evening last night, so it was a pretty full-on day. Yeah, wow. Um, it's uh, it, cause you, you're open every day, aren't you? So it, it, it's yeah, yes, yeah, really There's busy. Some, like Christmas Day, a few public holidays were closed, but we're open seven days a week, and we do the feed me um, Friday to Sunday, and then grazing boards throughout um, the whole week. Um. Because you have to book, really, don't you, these days, because it's so, becoming so popular. Yes, we do recommend um, people book because we do only have a fairly small, our licence is only for 50, so we, um, and with how busy it's been lately, um, mm. we certainly recommend booking um, just so make sure that we can fit people in. Yeah. How were the, how were the twilight sessions that you had in January? Yeah, they were really good. A um, lot of fun. So we had um, so a lot of families there. We had games on the lawn, had music, live music. Um, and it was just a, yeah, really lovely, lovely um, evening. And so they only run January. You don't run them into the rest, for the rest of the summer? No, we just did January. Um, we were thinking about doing February, but our poor chef, we only have one, um, <laughs> Cotter, and he, he needed needed a bit of a break yeah. after such a busy season so he's having a week off and then we run into Chinese New Year after that so oh, we yeah. sort of thought there's a lot of other things and then in Adelaide things start getting busy with Fringe Festival and, and, and um, everything Salador. else so yeah exactly yeah. so we sort of thought look we'll, we'll just do it through January and see how they go and then we were talking about maybe we might look at um, uh, into February next year but Often people will go back to work from Australia Day, so um, yeah. we find cellar door does tend to get a bit quieter after Australia Day anyway. You know, it's interesting. I um, was have sort of reached out to to a few winemakers um, uh, this week, and you know about you know coming on the show this week and next week and whatever. And um, quite a few of them are on overseas junkets and things. It's quite interesting just getting a little trip in before the, the vintage starts. 
Yes, it is often a um, good time to, to go away before things start ripening too much because mm. there doesn't tend to be, you tend to have done all your bottlings and everything else is sort of sorted. So then you, you sort of think, oh, it's a good time to quickly get away, whether it's to the beach shack somewhere or overseas, yeah. um, just to get away for, for a few weeks, um, just to, before the, the crazy season begins. Did you, did you have a, a, like a summer break, a beach break? We were supposed to be going to um, Mollymook, um, Bannisters at Mollymook, um, but we're having a pool built at the moment and we were told the pool was going to be done in, before we went away in January. So we cancelled that trip and pushed it back to next year thinking, oh, we'll be able to spend the summer in our pool. <laughs> and of course, it's not finished yet. Yeah, right. well, <laughs> so we'll save that for, for, yes, we'll be able to do that from late March onwards. Um, and then, yes, so we didn't actually go away this year, although we did spend, we always spend um, the Adelaide Test down in the city because we love cricket. So go down there and spend a week in town, although it didn't go for that very long this year. Mm, yes, it didn't. Um, but that is a, it's a beautiful ground. It must be, I haven't actually been there to watch a game. Is it, um, is it as Adelaide Oval it is, it yeah. is a stunning, yes. Uh, we actually had Isha Gua, um in Celador last week. And she was saying that as the sun sets on the day-night, when it's a day-night test, and as the sun sets, just watching the sun go down over Adelaide Oval and you have the Moreton Bay figs surrounding it and the old scoreboard, she said it's one of her favourite grounds in the world. So that, for someone like that to I say, praise. it was like, wow, okay, <laughs> we are very lucky. Yeah, very. And uh, was that an unannounced visit? It was an un- unannounced Visit. She just booked it via the website. And, How'd she and know we about Beck Hardy wines? I wonder. Well, yeah, it was it was quite an interesting one. So she'd I'd seen on her Instagram because uh, I am a bit of a fan, so follow her <laughs> on Instagram, and I'd seen that that some she'd said, oh, what do you do in Adelaide? And someone had recommend, oh, you've got to go and visit wineries and go to Barossa. There's these ones, and Adelaide Hills. There's these ones in McLaren Vale. I mentioned two other cellar doors, um, and didn't mention said they. They'd said Darenberg and, and um, Hamilton wines. Mm. And so she'd apparently tried to get into a Celador. She didn't tell us, and they were booked up. So she looked, oh, that one. And she said because it was a, a female name, she she <laughs> was keen to book us. So that worked for us. There you go. And it was lovely. Yeah, so I met her and her, her um, husband, Richard. So, yeah, it was, and she's mm. absolutely lovely. They both are. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so, uh, yeah. Well, um how far away are you from, from vintage? Um, you, um, yeah, so we're still um, a couple of weeks away. So we're going to be picking sparkling first. So we've got um, Chardonnay from uh, the Lower Tintara Vineyard, which was originally planted by um, my great-great-great-grandfather, Thomas Hardy. Um, so we get Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc and Shiraz from that vineyard, um, now owned by a cousin once removed of mine, um, John Hardy. So um, those Savant Blanc vines are the only original vines that Thomas Hardy planted that are still on the property. Right. Um, the Chardonnay that we get for the um, sparkling is a bit younger. Um, and then we get our Pinot Noir from another vineyard, which is just um, outside McLaren Flat. And Adelaide being Adelaide, um, found out at the last year's growers' dinner that... Um, the owner of that is one of the teachers at Matilda's school. So <laughs> that's what it's like in a little community like ours. Yeah. So she's at school in McLaren? Uh, she's actually in Clarendon Primary. Yeah. So about 15 minutes drive from home and, and Sally turned up and I thought, what's Sally doing here? And then I realised that 
Sal Osmond is Sally from school. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, well, it is, it is a good – it's a nice, tight community in McLaren Vale, I find. It is, yes. We are quite close together, which a lot of people, when they travel to McLaren Vale, that's always – they always really like getting around the region because it's not too spread out. Within 10 minutes, you're getting from one side of McLaren Vale to the other – and there's know, 200 cellar doors or something in that. So there's a lot of cellar doors that in that, um, within that area. So, um, yes, there's, there are new ones popping up. Mm. feels like every week. <laughs> yeah, that's a so, lot yeah, more than I would have there's, said. If... There's, there's, uh, yeah, there's quite a lot. Um, and uh, some of them are only open by appointment only yeah. um, or only on weekends or that sort of thing. But there's certainly a lot of cellar doors. Um, and people can get around very easily, and it's only 45 minutes from the city as well. So to visit McLaren Vale is a nice, easy, easy place to get to. There's um, a bus, couple of buses um, called Trail Hopper that pick people up from the city, oh, really? and they do a loop around McLaren Vale, so you can jump on, jump off the buses, and there's two, as I say, two loops. So we're on one of the, I think it's the southern loop, and that's a good way of getting around as well, so no one has to drive. So is that um, that's a paid service, I guess? Um, it is, yes. That, that's still pretty reasonable because, you know, we've always talked about, um, uh, you know, coming from Victoria, you know, flying into Adelaide, you can hire a car from the airport and be in McLaren Vale, you know, within 45, less probably. Um, you know, you could be at a cellar door in 45 having a tasting. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Yeah, so I don't actually know where in the city that Trail Hopper starts off, but mm. um, yeah, they do start off in town and and yeah, go to a few different spots. So um, certainly works really well. And that's a loop that happens just during the week as well as on the weekend. It does. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it, it's not going to be hugely expensive, I'd imagine. It's, no, I, I don't think so. With with how many people are sort of doing it, I wouldn't have thought that it's that expensive. Certainly a lot less than hiring a car for the day and driving for the day. Um, so does that mean that you get, you get um, a busload of people dropping in at uh, unannounced? Or <laughs> no, no we, it does say bookings essential on their website. So okay. we do know how many people are, are coming in from Trailhopper. And often it's only, say, four or six people on a weekend yeah. um, at a time. So uh, it's not inundated with, with 50 people on a – and it's only the minibuses. They're only small buses. Yeah. Oh, that, that's a great service. I didn't know yeah. about that. Um, I'll, uh, I'll look into that a bit more. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so um, picking Sparkling Base and then you've got – so you've got um, a couple of vineyards that you own and then you – You've got some arrangements with growers and things, and we do. Yeah. So, yeah. when when would your how far away would your reds be? Do you think because they, they'll be well, they're the last still one. going through Verizon. There, none of them are completely through Verizon. So, we're in Blewett Springs, our vineyard. So, last year was a really late vintage, so we were picking into April here. Mm. Um, so, but usually um, our Cabernet Tipsy Hills in mid March. Um, the first variety we pick of from our own vineyards is our Tempranillo. So that's we've only had the Lot 94 BSR vineyard for one year. So that was our first vintage, um, and that was in early March. Um, so this year it's it's been an interesting vintage, that's for sure. <laughs> interesting weather. We've been we were told for you know months that it's going to be really hot, really dry. And looking at the hills um, from where we are, 
the hills have still got green grass on them. You're driving along the road mm. and there's still green grass everywhere, which is just bizarre for the end of January. Yeah. Um, so because of that and the cool weather, we had one hot day this week, well, last week, sorry, um, which was 40 degrees. But other than that, it's been very mild. Um, so it will be slightly later than a lot of other vintages, but I don't think it'll be as late as as last vintage. And we'll see what happens in February. We yeah. might It might get hot and dry in February and things speed up a bit, but who knows at this stage. Yeah, and, and we uh, we certainly don't want to jinx things by, you know, no, <laughs> getting, getting ahead of ourselves. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it, Melbourne's the same, you know, just... The nature strips are still green, and which is just really bizarre as well. It's normally, you know, they're fighting for retaining any green. Yes, so, um, yes. But um, so for the for the new vineyard that we've got, so of our two vineyards that we have, so Tipsy Hill is irrigated, but I've only irrigated twice um, so far. And then our other vineyard, Lot Ninety Four BSR, is actually dry grown. So I was, because it was only the second vintage this year that we've owned it, I was sort of thinking, oh, with the hot, dry weather, it'll be interesting to see what what happens. Yeah. But because we've had that rain and quite soaking rain as well when we've had it, um, it's almost, it's been quite good. I was talking to Ben Riggs about this um, a few months ago. He was talking about there's some vintages that it's almost like partial root zone drying where is a way of irrigating the vineyard where you've got, um, two different dripper lines and you're watering one side of the vine and allowing the other side to sort of dry out and then then after a while you water the other side of the, the vine and it mm-hmm. just sort of adapts, the vine adapts itself to a lot less water by this partial root zone drying mm-hmm. and it's the same sort of thing but being done by nature where you have a, a rain which is quite a soaking rain the water goes down quite deep so those roots down the bottom have water while the roots at the top, you know, it, right when the soil's dried out, those roots at the top don't have the water and then you'll get another, and then by the time that the, the low down has dried out, then you have another ro- rain, so it's this partial root zone drying and he mm. said, I can't remember what vintage it was, it was something like 93 or something, which was well before I, <laughs> I was involved in the wine industry yeah. um, and he was saying it was a vintage that was just really good because it had that partial root zone drying, so Crossing fingers, it might be like that again this year. Yeah. Oh, that, that's really interesting. So you can actually engineer it. Um, you can. Using yes, that technique. So can, and then, yeah, so that partial root zone drying yeah. technique, but this is like a natural way. So instead of it being different sides of the vines, um, it's the sort of different depths by doing mm. it like this. Is it something you might look at, like obviously it's happening naturally this year, but... In, in other years, is that something that's of interest? It's something we're certainly doing a lot more of at Tipsy Hill. When we first bought this property in 2016, they were watering weekly for three hours and we've changed that to them. We were watering every two or three weeks for five hours and now I've cut that back further as well because we're really trying to um, just conserve water as much as possible. We do that in mm. the vineyard and in our garden as well. So... I'm now, as I say, I've only watered twice so far um, this vintage and it's just trying to cut back the amount of water and allowing those vines to, because we have very sandy soils here yeah, in Bluett Springs, the vines can, 
know, grow their roots down very deep and look for water. So just trying to teach the vines to actually do that mm. um, and, you know, making sure the soil is sort of dry before we, we are watering again and not just watering regularly. Yeah, so because they get a bit lazy. They do, they yeah. do, and then they end up with roots just in the top half a metre or metre of the soil mm. because that's where all the water's been. And then when you do have a really dry, hot yeah. Yeah, when it is dry or when it's very, very hot, then the roots actually, you know, the heat gets into the roots a lot more easily. So if you're trying to actually encourage the roots down deep, then the vines do better. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a, it, is, um, it does make sense, doesn't it? Um, hey, we, we, uh, we encourage our listeners to, to text in, and I'll just give that number, 0456-965-965. So for any questions for Beck or for any of our other guests... Um, now, we've had two questions from Christopher for you, Beck. Um, okay. The first one, he says, um, by the way, he's, he loves the Pertoringa wines. Um, oh, that's so awesome. And so he's keen to know what differentiates the over-the-top Shiraz and the Yeoman Shiraz. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, so the over-the-top, well, the Yeoman is from a single vineyard. The one that I was talking about earlier that we get our Pinot Noir for, for our sparkling, uh, we also use that for our Bacardi Pinot, but next to that is the Yeoman, the block that we, we sourced the Yeoman from. Mm-hmm. And these vines um, are over 100 years old. They're not sure exactly how old this vineyard is. Um, there are talks about that it was also owned by Thomas Hardy at one stage. And these very old vines, they've got very low crops. So normally we only able to do about 300 dozen of the Yeoman um, from that single vineyard, it goes into the very best oak that we we um, buy. So we get um, it's all French oak, and it has um, probably more new oak than the over the top. And we also like to bottle it later and then keep it in bottle for for 12 months or so before we release it, if we can. Yeah. Um, the over the top is from a few different vineyards. So this year, uh, the one that we've just bottled is from two vineyards. Um, one is in Blewett Springs, and then the other is just um, on the way into McLaren Vale, the Price's Vineyard, Price's Wine. So mm-hmm. we um, bought some fruit from them. Um, and that is, we do bigger volumes of that. It's from, you know, the, the great price is lower compared to what we're paying for the yeoman. And then it doesn't go into as much oak and the oak that we use isn't the really, really top oak. So there's the sort of the differential. That's how they're sort of different. And then we tend to, it, we like if we can, so there's three um, Pertering Shiraz, we try and have them as different vintages. So our undercover Shiraz would be, um, say, 22 we're on at the moment. Mm-hmm. The um, Over the top, we'd like to be a year older than that. Older, and then yeah. the Yeoman a year older than that as right. well. So we try and have them as different vintages if we can. So, Christopher, you need That's to buy right. uh, a six-pack, two of each. Yes, <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> so you can uh, um, compare and contrast. Um, now, the other question was regarding the Tipsy Hill Cabernet yep. um, and talking about the longer hang time and whether that provides a, a more elegant Cabernet than, than um, shorter hang time. Um, so generally, the, so the hang time is to do with um, developing both the sugar ripeness as well as the flavour ripeness. And we just, it generally is 
picked later here because it is a bit cooler and it's Cabernet, which does um, is a later variety, um, especially in Blewett Springs and, than Shiraz. Um, it's the, the hang time isn't to do... Often you actually end up with a bigger wine if, if it's hung for longer when it's passed, when it's flavour and sugar right. Um, so here, the longer hang time is just because it hasn't got to the sugar ripeness and the flavour yeah. ripeness yeah. in the shorter time that we want. Yep. So um, if somewhere in a very hot climate like the Riverland, if you left it there for a long hang time, then you'll end up with a, a wine that's 18% alcohol, just about classified as a fortified, and would be really jammy. And that's not what we're after. We're still wanting to have... Um, you know, the, those flavours of, the, especially in the Cabernet, those slightly greener flavours that you would associate with Cabernet, but we wanted to have that flavour rightness and still be at, say, 14.5% alcohol. All right, cheers. That's um, decent. Um, and that was, a, that was actually a question from Kim. Sorry, Kim, uh, mm. not Chris. Um, but, yeah, yeah that, that, um, so you're sort of picking that on taste then, aren't you, in a way? We are very much so. Yeah. So on taste and also on the bome, which is the sugar level. So generally, once you've fermented, um, so we, we measure it in this bome, it's called a French um, measurement. And once um, one bome equates to about 1% alcohol once it's fermented dry. So if you're picking it, sometimes it's a little bit higher. So generally, if you'd be picking it at 14 bome, then you'll end up with 14 and a half, maybe 14.8 percent alcohol on the finished wine once it's fermented. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It's, um. Uh. Yeah. That's we certainly I've I've known that. Um. But it's it's a really interesting thing for people to to know because uh, it's not by chance that you're getting to what level it is. Um. It, it's yeah. a finished product, right? Exactly. So. And it's and it's going to the so always very busy uh, visiting vineyards um, in the run-up to harvest. The good thing is once you get to know a vineyard, you've been dealing with them for a number of years, then um, Beck, so our winemaker, um, so my background is viticulture, our winemaker is also called Beck, to be very confusing, <laughs> so Beck Swinter. Um, and so Beck and I will go and visit the vineyards, and it's at the point where some vineyards we now only need to visit once or twice. The growers will take samples once a week and drop them to the lab so we can test what the bome is, see what, how the sugar level's rising, and then we'll only visit it one, once or twice. But on a new vineyard, um, we'd have to visit it regularly just to see how quickly the sugar level and the flavour develops and how it looks. Mm. So it's really a learning game, just seeing but, how each block differs. Yeah, and blocks and even rows sometimes can can differ, can't they? Like so, they can. Yeah, um, I was just thinking when the growers pick. I mean, they'll know their blocks very well anyway. But you know, you if they if they're picking it and the, the sample um, from you know part of the vineyard that's in front or behind the other. Yeah, then, no, you'd always go across the sort of whole block. So yeah. you'd walk down down one row and then walk across, you know, half the block and then walk back up the other row. Or some people do it on four-wheel motorbikes and they can go up and down, up and down. So you get it from, and not only just where in the vineyard, but also what part of the canopy. You get some bunches which are exposed, mm. some that are in the middle of the, the vine that are quite shaded. So you want to get a 
yeah, a cross section of across the whole block when you're sampling. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so much to it, isn't there? I mean, it's a, it's an interesting like it's obviously a really busy time, but it's also a fascinating time for getting to know you know a new block, as you say, or you know understanding how an old block's going, like the Yeoman. Um, yeah, so it, and and you really can um, you know understand the the nuances of it, and I mean we we hear from from winemakers who might do four four runs at picking the one block. Yes, yeah. Well, we we're doing that certainly with the sparkling, like with the um, the pinot, we're picking the sparkling um, at around eleven and a half bome for um, the sparkling base, and then we'll come back weeks later and, and pick the mm-hmm. rest of it for the dry red um, at around you know thirteen thirteen and a half um, bome. So it's yeah different different times in that respect um a lot of people they try and make the blocks you know, it's quite important trying to make the blocks a bit more even for example at tipsy hill the very top panel so the top sort of three or four vines um because the headland because it's on a hill any rain that falls on the headland tends to soak in and go down to those that those first few vines and also there's less um, competition there because the roots can go into the headland rather than they're not surrounded on four sides by the vines. And so these top ones tend to be very, um, a lot more vigorous than in the middle of the block. So years ago, we actually turned off the irrigation to the top vines and now they're a lot closer in in vigour to the rest of the block. And then we've put in extra drippers in areas where the sand must be, uh, the soil must be a lot more sandy or or shallower um, because there is actually some, clay underneath um, Bluett Springs and the strange thing about clay is you don't actually get, the roots can't get into it because it's so fine Mm. Um, the roots can't actually get deep into, get through the clay, they can only get, sit on top of the the clay, Um, so in some areas where the clay is close to the surface the vines can actually struggle because they just can't go deep and look for water like they can through the sand and so in some areas of the vineyard that might have clay, um, we might have to put, you know, extra, give them a bit of, bit more, you know, water spread out around them so that the vines can spread more, the roots can go sort of further out horizontally rather than because they can't go down as deep because of the clay layer. Yeah, right. That's, um, there's so much to it, isn't there? there <laughs> it is, really yeah. is farming and it is, it is really uh, a hands-on Hands-on thing. And every year is different as well. Yeah, right. Just the <laughs> That's what I always find interesting. <laughs> throw in another <laughs> another thing. Um, well, Beck, thank you. I know you, you need to get going, so I'll, um, I won't hold you up much longer. But um, I notice you've got um, a, a range of wines, Koala Life. So yes. hopefully you managed to get a photo of the koala on Australia Day. Yes, yes, I did get a, some videos and, and photos. But yes, so um, we've been involved in Koala Life for a couple of years, um, which is um, a fantastic organisation that obviously a lot of people would know about the problems um, with diseases and also things like um, koalas being hit by cars or dog mm. attacks. And the numbers of koalas have dropped so much that. You know, within 50 years or so, they could become extinct. And so Koala Life is um, all about developing a resistant, um, um, you know, koalas that are resistant to these 
diseases. Um, so they've been um, they've had their first lot of um, babies that were born um, a few months ago, actually, that they've managed to breed. So they're very excited about these new. I think they might be called joeys. I can't remember the name of a yeah. baby koala. Um, so they're doing really well. So um, we've produced a cabernet, which $3 from every bottle sold goes towards koala life to help with all the research and what they're doing yeah. with the breeding there with the koalas. Oh, fantastic. That's a good story. Um, so anyone who wants to learn more about that um, and maybe buy, buy a six-pack, um, uh, or more. Uh, it's Beck Hardy, so bechardy.com.au is the website. Um, and that's where we can find out all about the events and, um, and sign up to the, to the wine club. And do you have to, what, how, what's the process of, um, joining the wine club? Yep. So, um, wine club is only a minimum of a dozen bottles per year. So that's over two shipments. So we've got some, some people that get a six-pack every month, but a lot of people just get a six-pack now and a six-pack in six months' time. And there's two options. Either people can sign up for one of our um, curated packs. So we have a red pack, a white pack, icons. Um, so we've got four different options. Or people can put together their own selection, um, and then that's at um, 30% discount, their own selection. And the pack are at 30% or more discount. So mm-hmm. you can do that and then people then get 30% off anything else they purchase at Cellar Door and we have some exclusive events such as we've got our benchmark yeah, um, really thing coming up for sparkling. Yeah, so we do a few benchmarks just to try some other other um, wines and see how our um, sparkling um, goes against uh, goes compared to them. And yep. we did, we've done rosé and GSM and Shiraz and all, all sorts. Mm. Well, I think it's a definitely a must visit. Um, the cellar door looks awesome. Um, they're sitting, you know, you've got a photo there of people sitting out on the grass on a on a nice afternoon, yeah. weather wise. In amongst so, the gum trees, yeah, yeah, yeah it's fantastic. Well, keep uh, up the good work, hey, and um, I look forward to having a chat maybe in a, yeah. you know, six eight weeks, and when you've sort of got through the other end and and hear how it all went. And Sounds great. Fingers crossed that. The weather gods uh, look after yeah, you. <laughs> absolutely. Yep. Um, Beck, it, thank you. It's always a pleasure having a chat with you. And, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll speak again soon and enjoy the Great. your Sunday. Thanks so much, Simon. Thank you. See right. you, Beck. Have a good weekend. See you. you. Too. Bye. Bye-bye.